0: So the hoteps are, are still mad at me too, son. The whole, the hoteps are
1: still mad at you?
0: The hoteps are still mad at me. It's uh <laughs> it's a hotep coalition at this point on Instagram and it's a different Hotep that will send a a message each time because I told them that a black woman did not write the Matrix or the terminator. Not I'm
1: gonna lie, insane. I heard that too. <laughs> I heard that, too. I wouldn't fight for it, but I did hear that, <laughs> like too. Like, 15
0: years ago, you heard it, right? Yeah,
1: I heard it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then, and then you saw the stuff that proved it wasn't true, and you were like, oh, that's not true.
1: Actually, I didn't even care that much. <laughs> <laughs>
0: you were just kind of like, ah, whatever. whatever. Ah, yeah. Okay. No. A little fun uh, fact. These these people are uh, highly upset with me about
1: this, and, uh,
0: I don't know who pisses those people off more, me or Pascal. Mm.
1: Hard to know. Uh,
0: hard to know. We should take a survey of who pisses off uh, the tips more.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And then we'll see what the Israelites have to say. good evening everyone i'm your host jason miles and welcome to another episode of this is revolution podcast thank you all for joining us before we start if you're new to the channel please subscribe and don't forget to hit that notification bell so you are alerted whenever we go live we're constantly adding cross streams with other channels and adding new shows speaking of shows it's the last wednesday of the month so it's time for us to do another mau mau hour with pascal This one is sure to be a spicy one since he's going to be uh, pointing his vitriol at the legacy of Black Fraternities. If you want to be a part of the show and call in or have your questions read on air, there's only one way. And that's become a patron. We do do air the show at 6 p.m., but it goes live for patrons only at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And that is where you can interact with Brother Robert. Robert. Let me bring in my homie, my dog, the man of the Mount Mount Hour, Pascal Robert, to tell us a little bit more about what he has planned. Also, if you haven't had a chance to check it out, Pascal was a guest on the American Prestige Pod with Daniel Bessner and Derek Davidson, where he gave a brief, uninterrupted history of Haiti, uh, contemporary Haiti. In this situation right now, post-assassination of Jovenel Moise. Please welcome Pascal River.
2: Peace and greetings to the chat. Peace and greetings to the audience. Peace and greetings, Jason Miles. Peace and greetings, M2SUN. Thank you so much for that wonderful introduction, Jason, my man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Hello. Hello, M2SUN. It
0: wasn't well, time to bring answer. her in yet. You didn't even
2: read the script. Oh. I have the script in front of me. You confused me. Right? <laughs> oh, don't
1: cry. There's,
0: there's timing to this. You're ruining the timing.
2: I just said and reading m Two Song.
0: You weren't supposed to she's not supposed to be here physically <laughs> until the introduction.
2: Okay. This is why I don't know. Well- In terms of the uh, topic for tomorrow's Mau Mau Hour, we're gonna be looking about the legacy of black fraternities and sororities, class, politics, and their social role as uh, creating the institutional mechanism for the petit bourgeois buffer class in black politics. So we're gonna have uh, Jeff Kelly as our guest. So the subject matter is gonna be class, color, eugenics, and black fraternities and sororities.
0: There's a eugenic aspect to black fraternities?
2: Very much so.
0: Is it a color thing?
2: No, it's uh, many of the early members were major sponsors of eugenics.
0: So it has nothing to do with hair texture?
2: No, except maybe they like certain kind of combs? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, what kinds would those be, Pascal, since you were
2: in a fraternity? The, the, the bigger, wider kinds that are not... Bigger,
0: wider of, kind. for because that's not really a black...
2: More flowy hair.
0: Good hair is what you're saying. What you're I don't want to say, go into that trope. Oh. Now it's a trope.
2: The terminology is a bit of a trope. <laughs> can, can hair be good?
0: Mm, mm. 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 Is there a hot comb in your house, Pascal?
2: No, I haven't had a hot comb.
0: Pressing <laughs> iron, maybe? No. Now, one person in a house has a relaxer?
2: No, no, that's no. Listen, I have my, my, I have family members who definitely got that chemical in the hair.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Or take.
0: Did you yell at them like Larry Fishburne's character in School Days?
1: Wait, ah!
2: no 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 I will not come between a black woman and her perm I will not defy the sacred space between a black woman and her perm
0: is that a sacred space too son um,
1: for some yes absolutely quite sacred
0: have you ever had a relaxer or a perm or anything in your hair
1: I did. It was brief and I was not very good at it.
0: <laughs> did you forget the neutralizing <laughs> shampoo and it all fell out?
1: <laughs> no, never, but my hair was always puffy. It was never straight.
0: Okay. So what you call this Hot Comb Tuesday from now on? When it's all black people?
1: Hot Comb Tuesday. Oh my god. I'm seeing white people using hot combs now.
0: Uh, are their necks all burned up?
1: No, not. I see. I think it's wigs they're using it for. Uh, jacked,
0: up,
2: jacked up edges.
0: Ooh, Pascal's getting on the edges.
2: Got mm. those. Uh, what's your name? What's it that that black right wing?
0: <laughs> Did you see what Born Center says? Jason knows he used to be a kitchen
1: beautician.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> you leave my ability to give relaxers and fades alone
2: Candace Owens level bad bad uh bad edges
1: <laughs> what you know about bad edges last you know time Candace, you
2: had Candace Owens used to have some horrible edges uh, man. fair enough
1: what what fixed
0: her enough. edges
2: oh getting that good job with the blaze I think that's what I it was
0: white people money
2: that husband never <laughs> <that, that>, <laughs> Trust one <laughs> husband
0: of hers. What fix Candace Owens edges? White people money.
1: <laughs> it is. It's true. She's
2: had some rough edges.
0: Oh, you guys are so mean. You guys are so mean. Well, look, uh, I would like to bring in the faceless voice of reason, producer extraordinaire, M. Song. How are you, Tucson? Are you excited about the show tonight?
1: I am very excited about the show tonight. It's Nothing, been oh, go ahead. Go ahead. It's been 13 years in the making.
0: That's a long time.
1: Don't it's a long, long time. Don't I know, right? Don't drop the baby.
0: Were you worried when everybody came in late and then the two other black dudes came in like Eddie Kane from the Five Heartbeats?
1: <laughs> Strutting in. Alan,
0: our guest. We can see our guest in the virtual green room. He's like, peace, <laughs> 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 He's like, I ain't never doing a black show again. <laughs> <laughs> mm-mm, mm-mm. 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 Mm. 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 The edges is bad, this is (laughs) nothing good can happen from working with black people. That's not true, Pascal, yes, Mm -hmm. you're a big fan of Killer Mike. Did you ever see his show when he was trying to buy everything?
2: (laughs) (laughs) When did I ever become a fan of Killer Mike? (laughs)
0: He's a he's a he's a very good uh, entertainer. Is I can like his music, and I don't have to care about what he says politically.
2: Some of his music is interesting.
0: Um, did you ever watch his show Triggered, where he uh, tried to buy everything black? No, because he he was trying to um, <laughs> keep his black dollar circulating blackly Is that how that works
1: oh yeah it's supposed to flip over in the black community
0: yeah like if you if you hand a black guy a dollar then he'll turn it into ten something no.
1: like no that.
0: no that's not you how it
1: works he's supposed to hand it to another black guy
0: oh but does he fish for a lifetime what happens to handing him the dollar i'm so confused
1: does he fish for a lifetime <laughs> <laughs> and a black
0: man a dollar
1: He'll fish for a lifetime, even though you never taught him how. <laughs> Just,
2: fishing
1: away. Just fishing away.
0: That's not how that works?
1: I don't know, man. He's supposed to do it 11 times, I think.
0: You had to do him 11 times? The same dollar? Yeah. What happens on the 11th time? He gets it?
1: On the 11th time, he can give it to another community
0: is it on the fishing line and you're like
1: oh oh pull that back
0: (laughs) (laughs) messed up things you do anyway uh i was also a guest on billy bunton's how billy sees it last night where billy got me to tear up a bit uh the show got deep as these conversations sometimes do before we bring in our guest uh mt Mm-hmm. You want to prepare the audience for what we're about to see tonight? Because I'm I'm a little not worried, but you know, religious topics can be can be controversial to some.
1: I guess. <laughs> I mean, come on, man. We grown. It's like <laughs> it's okay.
0: Pascal, are you prepared? This is this is your faith we're talking about here. Alhamdulillah, Rabbi Did you just
2: have a drink? I said, Praise Wait. be to Allah.
0: Oh, okay. I never heard you uh, talk like Jean Bajlan before. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sorry, that's a racist joke. What does Islam and environmentalism have to do with each other? To help us answer that question, we have Ibrahim Mateen. Ibrahim has over 20 years of experience in community organizing, government, and consulting. Ibrahim's issues, issue areas of expertise are environmental justice and client adaptation. He's a skilled public speaker, we'll find that out today. Mediator and committed poet, please welcome a very patient man, Ibrahim Abdul-Mateen.
3: y'all are, y'all are special <laughs> <laughs> assalamu <laughs> alaykum uh, shaykh wa- ibrahim wa alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh okay, okay, uh, i'm very honored to be here i love the um i love i love the energy you guys have
0: well we'll see how much you love us after the first question
3: great
0: <laughs> love to bring it
2: Alhamdulillah, I would like you to explain to the audience, if you can, what you mean by the Islamic concept, the world is a masjid, and define mm-hmm. a masjid for us.
3: Um, well, the it's a very simple concept. In my book, I, I wrote a book called, called Green Dean, what Islam teaches about protecting the planet, and... One of the stories that I tell is of my father who brought us, we were living in New York city and I lived in such a way that I thought the whole world was a city. Like I would look out my window and um, just, it was just endless, endless buildings. Um, and that's what I thought the world was. And I got to, um, I remember we went for a hike outside of the city and I remember, and I, you know, we would, my, I would see my dad pray at home. I would see him pray at the masjid, Um, which is a place like a, like a church or a synagogue or a temple. Um, it's just the main, you know, place of gathering for the purpose of prayer and reflection and community for our faith. I am a New Yorker. Um, and I remember being at, my dad was like praying out, you know, we were out in the open. And I was like, why why are you praying? You only pray in like, you know, very specific places, and he, he related to me the sort of one of the more important, a saying of the Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, where he, where he said that anywhere you may be at the time of prostration, which means if it's a time of prayer, anywhere you may be is a place of prostration. Now, obviously, there's some caveats, right? Like if, if someone's urinating in a place, or if there's dog poop, or if there's toxic substances, which will round into the conversation we can have. If it's polluted, then it's not necessarily a good place for you to pray. But, and that's, so the part of the ethic there is that the way you would treat a church, the way you would treat a mosque, the way you would treat your temple, the way you would treat a place where you um, meditate, you know, the way you treat your, any place that's sacred to you, that's, the whole world is sacred. Um, Everything on the planet Earth is sacred. We should be able to go and pray anywhere. There was a time when they had, um, you guys might be, too I don't, I'm not sure of the ages here, but um, the 9-11 masjid. Ooh, the 9-11 mosque was in downtown Manhattan. And um, people were really freaked out about it. It was just right after 9-11. People thought Muslims were going to take over and bomb people. Um, and I remember saying to people, we don't need a masjid. We just, we could pray in the street. And I said that to antagonize back there, and just get them in their feelings. But it's the truth. Um, they old on this channel that's funny um i'm checking out the comments on the side too (laughs) so anyway so that's that's the the bottom line every the sacredness of the entire earth and so i think you don't actually have to be a person of faith to understand the sacredness of earth right if you are just a pure humanist you actually understand that you come from this planet or you relate to this planet this planet is important for you this is where you're from you're not from Mars, you're not from Venus, as far as you know. You're from Earth. So it's an important place because everything you know comes from it. Everything, you know, every, uh, what was that famous uh, quote? Um, I forget his name. The, 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 um, uh, he said, everyone you've ever known, everyone you've ever seen, everything that has ever happened has happened here. So, you know, this, the, the Earth is a sacred, sacred place. And so that's really the core of that conversation. Marshall
0: <laughs> Why are we not treating the earth um, as it is a sacred place? I mean uh, the paper that you uh, you sent us to uh, to read um, which also kind of dovetails into what you talk about with your book as well. Yes Reese, thank you um also another person that's been on this show, Andres Malm. I don't know if you're familiar with the work of Andres Malm. Mm-hmm. He lives in uh, some Nordic country where they have everything taken care of um <laughs> rights <writes, laughs> rights <writes, laughs> i say that because we're friends with Andres, but um you know when we think about zoonotic diseases um mm-hmm, these are mm-hmm. a byproduct of deforestation and this is a very serious mm-hmm. problem and i think most people are ignoring as the pandemic for for many is over written mm-hmm, mm-hmm. quotes um No one likes to talk too much about these future pandemics and we will be seeing more because of deforestation.
3: I mean, the, the, you know, I'm trying to balance the, the, my thoughts, because I think when I, um, when I think about our responsibility with just basic land management, um, you guys still there? Yeah, you guys still there? with just basic land management. I think... Um, the I, and, and So this is where I'll share a bit of the Islamic framework where in Islam, you can't just, like, destroy everything and extract everything out of the ground and then not leave it better than you found it. Um, traditionally and legally, you have to set aside land for people to hunt and fish. You have to set aside land for people to... Um, uh, live and sort of grow things and you have to set aside land that's just left alone that no one can touch and you have to like that's part of the dynamic so the traditional like and a traditional Muslim urban planning was organized in such a way right and if you had some uh, and this is where it's interesting and I, I wonder from the communists on here including my wife who's I, I think has joined in and listening but she's also a straight up communist um or Marxist, however you want to frame it. Um, is she gonna um, yell at us? No, I mean, she might. Oh, dear. she might if you're not if you're not on point. Uh, Jesus Christ! Um. <laughs> 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 what in the Stalin is
0: going on in your house?
2: Humble <laughs> he's got a Muslim wife who's uh, has Marxist inclinations. Yeah, that's you. Very, wait, my, I, that's think, I think. I think the whole. Pressure.
0: The whole chat just—they're just, <clears throat> just like their their ears puckered up because I think everybody thought this was going to be a
3: sermon. So, no, definitely not a sermon. Mm-hmm. That's funny.
1: <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: um, but just the idea that you have—you for the greater good, for the good of everyone—we have a lot. We this idea capitalism has created this notion that we have that there's scarcity, that there's not enough land, there's not enough food, there's not enough animals. There's not enough air there's not enough love there's not enough homes right and so we've bought into that idea that there's not enough but in actuality we have plenty for all of us mm-hmm. so we have to make a decision it's just like in a pandemic <clears throat> in the lockdown version of the pandemic some schools if you have school-aged children some schools made a decision that they nobody was going to get sick so that meant nobody was in school mm-hmm. other people made a decision everyone was going to stay in the building so then they made adjustments. Mm-hmm. Maybe they, they uh, e- adapted and evolved differently over time. That's my opinion about how all the bounty in, the, in the Islamic context, all the bounty and all the good <clears throat> that God has given us on this earth, we can manage it so that all of us benefit. In many ways, a true sort of humanist, a true Muslim, a, someone who cares about other humans and other plant life and other animal life, um, would want the best for everyone around them. It's a sort of very community oriented. That's why, you know, in Islamic, traditional Islamic cultures, it was very much about village life, about people having skills and trades and people trading what they were good at and supporting each other. It's not highly selective, Sam, not at all. (laughs) Not highly selective at all. Oh oh no, oh no. uh,
0: (laughs) So the most dangerous thing you can do you dive in like that is read the chat it's just it's just no
3: look, I, once you I, once I, you I,
0: give I, it life it, it'll it'll cons- it consumes you
3: you know what's funny I'm from like um the, I, I grew up in an era when people used to be on the on like like at the tail end of like the soapbox creatures yeah so I used to I used to interact with the soapbox creatures so I'm like what <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so let's go just- there let's do this and you said it like you dropped the Hebrew Israelites. <clears throat> yes I'm like let's have that conversation um but all that being said i think that there's like um the ideas of land management so now you don't get rational human-based and and like protection of plants and animals and humans land management in any system that exists right now on the planet earth capitalism doesn't provide that democracy doesn't provide that mm. communism as we understand it is the closest to providing a socialist are the closest to understanding that and moving that direction. So that's the, that's an interesting thread of a conversation. What religions do that? Christianity definitely doesn't provide that as a, an underpinning. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. Judaism doesn't. Judaism is very fickle and movement. And same thing with Islam. Islam is based on culture and based on other things. But at, their, at the core of Islam, from my understanding, my reading, you have a framework for how to... Manage land and organize land um, in a way that a lot of other traditions don't have. And I'll just add, most of our original traditions, right? If you go, if you were like the Hodenosaunee from upstate New York, the the five the tri- five tribes um, that had a, a, an incredible agreement. Um, other traditions all around the globe, wherever you're indigenous to, your people before colonialism, before capitalism, most likely had a better land management system than we have now. Why is that? Because they were trying to say, how do we support the most amount of people? How do we, um, how do we provide for everyone that we, that we know, that we love? It wasn't at this insane scale. You know, this scale that we're on now is is, is a very... it's a, Capitalism scale is crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, an example of where Muslims go wrong, mm-hmm. obviously, UAE, Qatar, <laughs> Saudi Arabia, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that whole area, right? It's not like Muslims are without fault in this, but an example where Muslims kind of did the right thing, even though it looks like they're the worst people in the world. Saddam Hussein never, he always, excuse me, he always made sure that people had access to clean water, even when he was doing all sorts of other stuff, because it's an Islamic framework that you can't charge for superfluous water, for extra water. You can't charge people for water like that. Mm -hmm. Water has to be provided for everyone. That's built into the religion. So tell me any other political ideology or religious framework that says that free wa- water has to be built in and everyone has to have access. You won't tell, you can't find that.
0: I don't know if it's in the bylaws, but would you, would you agree that Christianity, there's something inherent in its nature that if someone needed water, one would provide water to that person?
3: A hundred percent, a hundred percent. The example of Jesus is a, a, 110%. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think that, um, and that's where, you know, that's why Christianity is, is resonates in so, in so many ways because his example was astonishing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I don't think, the, Christianity didn't bring um, like a framework for how to manage the market. So for example, in Islam, you have a framework where the marketplace is a place where you, could, you can't charge interest in the marketplace. Mm-hmm. You can't charge interest at all. And the principle behind that is you're not supposed to make money off of someone else's backs. So capitalism as we see it, the way it's on steroids right now, is a result of people basically sitting fat Mm -hmm. and borrowing and other people's money and making money off of other people's money. This is an insane idea. That was actually against the rules in Christianity until they were like, no, we can make a lot of money. (laughs) (laughs) Brother, pretty dope,
2: Shaky Brino, I gotta tell you right now, I'm really, really glad to have you on this show. Because I'm gonna tell you why. I, uh, as someone who has <laughs> many friends in the Muslim community in South Florida, I get so much grief from Muslims for doing this show. It was like stuff for a brother Pascal is a communist. Stuff it was communism is Haram. <laughs> communism is Haram, brother. Blah blah blah. And I'm like, what about the interest on in your house, brother? What about the, the fact that you got a 401 C? Or what about what about the fact that your you know your your 401 K has like you know all this. You're buying cigarettes with your money. I mean, it's really ridiculous to me that when you look at the actual economic models that existed in the early times of Islam, with the, according to the Quran and the Sunnah of the Prophet Muhammad, how Muslims today who are completely invested in the capitalist world system, don't realize that according to Islamic Sharia and Islamic law, there is a cap on the percentage of profit you can make. You cannot make more than Mm -hmm. 33% profit on any endeavor. Mm -hmm. All national resources are owned by the state. There is a, right. a WAF or trust that is required yep. to be provided for the care of people if they have no income or wealth. Healthcare right. is provided. Islam as an economic model within the time of the Prophet Muhammad, Prophet Muhammad was clearly at best a socialist economic system. But yet Muslims have been so adapted to believing that capitalism is the way they go, maybe it's because they're buying into a, a Saudi Arabian narrative of Islam. When you talk about issues like we do on this show, it's like, brother, this is haram. How can you do this? I'd like you to speak to that, please.
3: I mean, there is a fundamental problem with uh, uh, socialism and communism. And I think this is my critique of all of these systems. I, I think that capitalism and socialism reduce human beings to units of production. Um, that you're defined by what you can make or create or destroy. I think with um, a revealed system like Islam or even any of the other systems like uh, Buddhism, where you have um, enlightenment is the goal and where you annihilate yourself is the goal. The, the, the ba- value you place on a person within an Islam, it's their, their understanding of themselves um, and their relationship to the creator of the universe. Within a tradition like Buddhism or Hinduism, it's your ability to transcend this reality, and you're closer to that ability to do that means that you are a better person, that you are a higher value, or you have, you're better than the next person who may not be able to do that. Um, <clears throat> so I think the fundamental problem with the man-made systems like socialism, capitalism, is that they're stuck within this sort of production extraction framework. Now, my wife would disagree with me on that and say that part of what we're supposed to do is it's like maximum cooperation. Right. And how do you like, right. How do you like make sure that everyone has, so not that it's, it's, it's great that someone can walk their children to school and the school is a good school and it's a healthy, it's a healthy environment. Um, and someone's like, wow, I live a great life. I can just stroll to school. Well, I think that everyone, so she would say everyone should be able to do that as opposed to dividing it up and saying these people can, and these people can't. Um, and that that's the more important thing to focus on. If I'm not, so I think that that's kind of the, but, but for me, it's, it's not actually, um, that piece around what's my value and how I define my value. I still think that there's a fundamental flaw of communism and, cap- and socialism. I do also have a, a, you know, I'm not really all about these European cats and some stuff they wrote down back in the day. Okay. You know, I you know I struggle with that, and I and so I'm always like, well, what are the other systems that people have done in the past? Um, that's why actually the <clears throat> the I think just because a, a system isn't Islam doesn't mean that it's haram. That's my opinion. I agree with right? that. And mm-hmm. and also for so for example the um the the five Iroquois nations, of five tribes in upstate New York, they made an agreement based on they were in a Time of warfare, and they made an agreement to, uh, around peace. Hmm. And it took a lot of effort, but they finally did it. And then part of that piece, that organization, was if they were going to go to war or if they were going to be angry, or like do something violent, they had to go to first, the warriors hmm. still had their role. They would, ha- <clears throat> they would have to go to a council of grandmothers first. Hmm. And that council of grandmothers would assess the good or bad. So I, I think that's an interesting, there's interesting models in other spaces that you can't just say that's totally wrong. It might be an interesting thing to learn from and to incorporate and to make our systems better now. Um, and I, <clears throat> the last note that I'll make is that socialism had its way in the Arab world. You know, <clears throat> that was a big part of the, Saddam Hussein's and the
2: yeah the Baathist movement. The Ba'athist,
3: movement, the Baathist movement exactly. Mm-hmm. So like there's there's a lot of backstory there, um, and a lot of times Muslims will say, oh, they left their religion, and I think that that's part of what <clears throat> you know people are sort of dealt with dealing with when they're sort of re- like, like reactively saying, no, no, that's bad. Like we can we already went down that route. We can't do that anymore. So it may not necessarily be based on any of the like, actual ideas. It might just be based on like, people's bad experiences.
0: Tisana, did you want to add something?
1: Um, I did. Maybe a slight pivot in a different direction. Yeah, that's, I uh, you to. Sure. Well, speaking of the idea of no, no, that's bad. There's, there's apparently a contradiction in Christianity with, with science. Some kind of antagonism there. But no yeah. such antagonism exists with Islam. So, can you talk to us about that a little bit? Uh, Islam's relationship to science and how that relates to environmentalism.
3: Yeah, I think um, Islam is beautiful. It's similar to like you know someone like Einstein when he would be, you know, he would he he was a very faithful person, and his approach to being a faithful person um, meant that his his study of what God has created um, uh, was a form of worship for him. So instead of it being, and so this is the important piece. <clears throat> you know, you have all these like uh, like Descartes and all these very traditional sort of natural philosophers. Natural philosophy was the term about what science was before it became science. Natural philosophy, most of those folks had to tr- were like translators. And they were trying to talk about um, uh, these new ideas based, grounded in their sort of Christian up, you know, framing. Because the people they were talking to back then were um, mostly Christian. So they were trying to justify their enlightened ideas. Enlightened. <clears throat> the problem with a lot of what they discovered was that if they could not see something with their own eyes, if they could not observe it, then it wasn't true, they didn't believe it. Mm -hmm. That idea, that kernel of an idea has sort of threaded into all of these different traditions where, I mean, like a scientific approach where people are always looking for the beginning of something. They're always looking to see and observe how it started. Right? Um, Where does the universe, where did it start? Who was the first human? I have to know, we have to solve this mystery. Islam is like, okay, we kind of know that mm-hmm. we get that we know the beginning of stuff we're not tripping about that what we are actually more interested in is how does it work how can how does it work and what seek sequ- what like sort of thing has god layered into this plant or into this these oceans or into the sky so i can be a better human being on this planet and so i can take care of it and it's not, so like that's that's our function we have to maintain the balance in the planet, it's called Mizan. We have to maintain the the delicate balance that keeps all life humming and and alive. So science is not about discovery of what's possible per se, it's more of deep understanding of what is in nature already. And then from that context, then you get to a couple of juncture points. It's when you discover some way to do something, because there's always unintended things that happen with science. Let's say you discover gunpowder or you discover nuclear weapons, right? Things that could destroy lots of people. Um, you discover birth control pills and then you, you know, do what America did and they just you know, lie to thousands of Puerto Rican women and give them to them, right? When you discover things, you're like, ooh, what can we do with this? Then you start to, there's a twisted evil side of science. And, and the Slam, will, the, the, the junction point will say, well, if it's harmful, should we be doing it? No, mm-hmm. so then stop it. So I think in many ways we're on this like crazy like European bender right now. Right? They're like you know, it's like old dirty bastard but a white European dude with like <laughs> white stuff all around his nose. <laughs> and and that's and we're just like, like, oh look what I can do. I can go to space. Really? Is that what we should be doing? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm I love space for like the rest of them but <clears throat> and for the flat earthers there, I'm sorry, I'm not, I'm not on that. But first we should go to the ocean first. Let's see. If we know everything about everything on the planet Earth, then maybe we could go to space. So, so it's like really like a, I'm actually on the board of the Union of Concerned Scientists. It's an organization that does advocacy around science and research around n- nuclear disarmament and climate change and other issues. A lot of reports and papers. But I also advise them and say, listen, these are, what are the ethical questions that come up with science? And how do we communicate and talk about those ethical questions, and not get down the trap of "ooh, but we could try it"? Like you, like um, you saw those ads that were trying to—they were out there. There were some people lauding them, and some people were showing them as the end of the end of times—the ecto life. Did you guys see that? Mm-mm. No. It's like where you could grow a baby basically in a, like a little tiny incubator that you could bring home. Wow. <sighs> it's like a basically like Matrix kind of setup wow you like like artificial um amniotic fluid and everything um and so like that's is that where is that just because we can do that is that good just because we can bomb people is that good like every military device that has ever been created from the beginning of time to this moment now was absolutely useless against the pandemic no bomb, no missile, no gun, no atomic, nothing could have stopped that little tiny virus from killing us. So where's our priorities? The mm. United States has 900 bases around the globe. And a lot of that is because we're exploring things and discovering things. And we're using what, because we can, because we can. That sort of logic of, oh, because we can do it is really dangerous.
1: Hmm. We have a super chat. I'm going to pop it up on the screen. <clears throat> Borhav wants to know, can Ibrahim please describe Islam's position on vegetarianism and or animal
3: rights? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting, beautiful stories about um, people during the Prophet's time, where he, um, where, for example, someone saw a... Um, Someone fed a dirty old dog some water out of their shoe, and from a well, and um, it was understood that that person was paradise, go to heaven just for just demonstrating that we should taking care of animals, base, basic idea. <clears throat> the Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, he um, did not eat meat inside of his home. He was essentially a vegetarian in his own house. And he ate meat that was offered to him as a blessing, like as a gift. He wasn't like, no, 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 I don't eat meat. I'm a vegetarian. He was like, you're offering me meat, this meat. I'm going to eat it. He wouldn't eat what was prohibited, like pork or other things. But he would eat things that were permissible, and he would eat them in that context. Um, But he's... um, Sorry. So that's, I mean, that's an important thing for us. I think the way that Muslims ate and traditionally Muslims eat is that you don't eat a lot of meat, right? Mm-hmm. So your, your, orient, your understanding of like, it, there's a lot of intention that goes into slaughtering an animal and how it's raised and how it's treated, right? You don't want to treat your animal bad and then eat. You don't want to shock it with, electronic, with electri- le- electricity. You don't want to shoot it in the head. There's a certain process to it which is very similar to like native American or even Mongolian sort of just the reverence and the respect for the animal as part of this larger web of life. And that you're part of it is with them. So there's like a, there's, so that's that. I will say there's an argument right now, not a religious argument, (coughs) but a environmental argument that's rooted in our faith to being a, a vegetarian today. Um, But I wouldn't go so far as to say that I think that we should eat a lot less meat, dramatically less. And we should know where our animal comes from. And we should have a relationship with the land where that animal comes from. And that should be the framework that you should operate upon eating meat. And that, sorry, that is the halal Islamic, like, tell you, the the, the framework around how animals are treated is built into the faith. So that's another aspect of it that I think is relevant.
0: Pascal, do you want to add something to
2: that? Yeah, I wanted to ask a question about the role of uh, tahara, purification, the use of wudu and its importance to the Muslim and the Muslim body and how that turn, how that relates to environmental concerns as well.
3: Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, I, I you know, <clears throat> every faith has some kind of water ritual. So I think that there's something really powerful about that. Um, you know, it's not so, so too much you can say. I think one of the things that's important about wudu, which is basically the ritual cleansing that you do before you pray, um, is that you, um, if you are even, there's a hadith, there's a saying that if you're even by a, a stream or a lake or you know, a, a running stream, you should not waste water even if you're there, even when you're making water. So there's no, there's never, there's never a justification to waste water. Um, so I think that that's a really important thing. And then around purification, if you don't have water, you can also use like clean stone or dirt or a tree, <clears throat> which also says and implies that the things in nature are actually already purified.
2: Hmm. How, what, how do you think as a Muslim these ideals, which are very much in line with what were actually brought forth during the period of revelation and the life of the Prophet Muhammad. Number one, how do you think the Muslim world lost its way in its ability to implement mm-hmm. those things effectively and what things can be done to bring back that original understanding of the faith re- rele- relevant to the environment and dealing with humanity and people overall.
3: Yeah. Um. Well, I mean, you, you know, the, the the constant pressure from. So I think someone had said in there I was getting deep state. Um <laughs> I appreciated that comment in the in the, in the thing because there is a, a conspiracy theory bone in me. Um, I think when you're, uh, uh, Muslims started to sort of um, try and mimic Europeans. Um, and that was sort of in the seven, late 1700s with the decline of, <coughs> the beginning of the decline of the, well, the 1800s really, the, the decline of the Ottoman Empire. Because um, I mean, during the Ottoman Empire, just as an aside, the, the, the Holy Land, the Levant, Um, Those areas were were Jews and Muslims and Christians and all sorts of people lived in perfectly fine harmony for a long period of time, hundreds of years under Muslim rule. It wasn't like we're Muslim and we're going to take over and we're going to kick everybody out. No, that's not how it went. In Iran, there was a huge Jewish population until the 50s when the British and the Americans, you know, um, did their um, uh, colonial project. Around oil and extraction, so you know um, Mossadegh, the, the democratically elected leader of Iran in the 1950s that the American CIA and the British intelligence d- took out. Um, the, these are, this is what the, these are just examples of the colonial project, and this is like the end stage of it that we're talking about. you know it's, the, the, this project was a longstanding project and you know, a hundred years ago, over a little over a hundred years ago, well, maybe now a hundred, little over a hundred years ago, the lines in that region were completely different. The Europeans have used a very clever tactic for so long, um, and that was divide and conquer. They did it first, not they did it first on themselves, then they did it next on um, East Africans, I mean West Africans, um, and then they did it also on um, Arabs and also East South Asians. They would divide and conquer. And the the physical representation of that divide and conquer is the lines that are drawn in the sand right now. Those are not lines that are relevant for the people there. Those are lines that are relevant for the people who wanted to control them and control the oil underneath their lands. Now, yeah, I think that that's the the core is we lost our way when we tried to mimic or we thought we were behind. And and that's, you know, we weren't. (laughs) We were fine.
2: Hmm. What do you think can be done to try to redirect the course?
3: I think, what, you know, some people are doing it, right? Like, in the United States, you have places like Zaytuna College that are sort of um, just focusing on Islamic scholarship and a very lo- sort of, like, robust education that includes Islam, includes sciences, includes math. Um, that's the sort of reality of the world. And so they're trying to prepare young people, people to be prepared for the world, but also be rooted in a really solid understanding of their faith. Um, I think, um, the models in Turkey, um, in, um, Malaysia, in Indonesia, um, are really robust models. Um, there's like some really beautiful work that's happening in Yemen and in, um, Jordan around permaculture techniques um so there's some really interesting stuff happening i think around the muslim world in terms of like practical things and then from a sort of spiritual perspective um again we need to stop obsessing about what the people in the west are doing i mean that's the bottom line so i think you know that's that's the fun if if we're going to try and keep up with them we will lose that race
1: I have a question. Your okay. Sure, yeah. Um, so, I want to kind of turn the question around. So, we have our title question: What does Islam have to teach us about environmentalism? I kind of want to talk about the relationship between Islam and leftism. So, I thought it was interesting that in your book you included this quote, and I'll read it: "The original green Muslim in the United States, Saeed Hossein." Nasser, I just, I butchered that, I'm sorry. Author of Man and Nature, The Spiritual Crisis Modern Man, makes the following observation. As awareness of the environmental crisis has increased, numerous vocal groups and even political parties have sprung up to defend the environment. Until recently, however, most of these have had a leftist tendency with a tone decisively opposed to established religions. Although this is now changing somewhat, while I have sought to convert the ecological movement into, while some have sought to convert the ecological movement into a religion in itself. So how, what what can you tell us about the relationship between, say, Christianity and environmentalism? I'm sorry, Christianity and leftism. Maybe it's an easier fit with Islam and leftism? Mm. Tell us all about your marriage is what is basically.
3: (laughs) I mean, I, I get really, um, I don't, you know, the, the dichotomy is like a trap, I feel like. Mm. Um, and we're stuck as like in like the ping pong of it. Um, so it's hard for me to like lean in on that. I do think we need like fresh thinking. Um, Mm. and, um, Hold on, hold on. I just have to respond to Sultan Menzuma. No, bro, you're wrong. You were totally wrong. I'm just going to throw that out there. <laughs> um, um, <coughs> um I think for for our perspective we are we're str- I think for us is like standing on the side of people who are not the oppressors, not the colonizers, not the controllers, not the dictators on the local level. So, like, who's preventing people from getting access to housing? Who's preventing people from um, getting uh, uh, from feeling safe in their neighborhood? And it's generally not another criminal; it's usually a police officer. Who's preventing people from from feeling like they can feel you know, safe walking around in a community? Most of the time that it's the, <clears throat> the, the, the critics of those systems, of those authoritarian systems that we live in, um, are both left and right. The problem is that the right generally sees black and brown people. And this is why I always say this, is that Democrats, so to give you a sense of it, Republicans see black people as wild animals to be controlled. Democrats see black people as pets to be taken care of. So I'm not interested in any of that. And I think that we have to sort of create and build other types of solutions that aren't stuck within this dichotomy. Now, that being said, when people are just like, I hate you, okay, you hate me. So most likely I'm not going to, I'm going to be with someone who doesn't hate me. So I generally think that that is why there's much more traction between Islam and the left, particularly in the United States. Mm -hmm. It wasn't always this way. 9-11 happened and it shifted everything. Because before 9-11, it was much more leaning into the compassionate conservatism of George W. Bush. Um, So it's 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 a really, it's a, we're not, I would say that Muslims are not all in on every aspect of the left project. Let's just put it that way. There's lots of things in the left that we people are like, meh. But, and, and we're not all in on the, the crazy right-wing sort of thing. So if you're really a Muslim, you're sort of like, I'm a chill, sit back and take my popcorn out and watch this thing and try and fit in in the best way possible.
2: Hmm. Pascal? Do you believe that there is a component of Islam that requires uh, combating the forces of oppression, if at best with your words, yes, uh, and that's, if not with your, your words, at least with actions.
3: Yeah, 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 yeah. You have to. I mean, I, I tell my sons like at, at the basic level, um, if someone's trying to, if, if if there's a bully, and you see someone that's messing with someone in your in your you know your friend group, um, and the person's weaker or smaller, you have to step in and do something about it. And if that person's so big that you're afraid, well, stand in the middle and just deal with that and try and figure out what you're afraid of, but also know that that person has, is getting their back. Like had the, the smaller person or the person that's afraid, you can be together. Now you're together. Now you're united. Get some other people. Then you'll be more. There'll be more. There'll be numbers. Right? <clears throat> you have to always be that person who stands up for, um, for the, for the oppressed. You have to, that is like, a, to me, like, um, and I I think that that is baked into a young person. And that's why I teach my sons that because I think that that's like an ethic that is deeply Islamic. That has to be, um, uh, um, you have to, you have to do it. You can't just say, Oh, that's what we're supposed to do. No, you have to actually do it. And, and that's why the Hadith that you were referencing were saying, if you see evil, you see things that are unjust, you know, <clears throat> do something with your hands to change it. If you can't do that and it's not safe, do something your. you say something against it. If you can't do that and it's not safe, hate it in your heart. And that's the least good thing.
2: Yeah, indeed, indeed. <coughs> do you feel that the Muslim communities in the West, particularly the United States, have effectively taken on that obligation? Do you think there's a lack of willingness to engage in political phenomenon that would, require, that would allow them to to more effectively deal with neutralizing forces of oppression? In other words, do you feel that there is a certain amount of reticence on the part of Muslim communities to engage politically in more effectively dynamic and radical
3: ways? Um, I, I would say that we've regressed. Right Today is the anniversary of Malcolm X being murdered at the um, Audubon Ballroom. Right, So we came out the gate with that. With um, Malcolm X and Muhammad Ali, people that were really all about it. And since then, we've sort of like slinked into the shadows a little bit. Um, but that's the core of who we are, I think.
2: Again, what steps do you think it can be taken to change that?
3: i'm not I'm not a big macro person, you know I think that we're in a <clears throat> I think we're in a different. Time frame. Um, There's an organization in in um, Chicago called Iman, Inner City Muslim Action Network. Um, I think they have a a Chicago office, Atlanta, um, and DC, and they do really good, really rooted programming. They also um, like the UMA Free Clinic in LA, where they started a um, um, they after the riots in in, um, in South Central back in the day. They built a clinic of Muslim doctors came together and built a clinic <clears throat> to provide free healthcare. Iman also has a free healthcare clinic in its, in its sites in its locations. So I think part of it is like meeting people where they're at and that's where, and we as Muslims have to be more in a place of service. Um, so that's, you know, like we have to do that for a long time, you know, and also being supportive of other people's struggles for a long time. Not just complaining about Islamophobia, not just essentially, not just whining, but stepping up and being like, hey, we got you, we're gonna be, we're supporting you.
2: Do you think that there is a conflict that exists in particularly the West between immigrant Muslims and Muslims who convert in the West over certain tactical dynamics, cultural issues or racial issues that brings forth conflict?
3: I mean, that's a load of question. Of course there is. There's tons of conflict. Um, but there's also conflict within all those groups in and of themselves. The, the, the immigrants that came to the United States, mostly Arab, South Asian, from other places, they came here to make money. The, the most of the, the Muslims that are from the United States that were Muslim here are African American, primarily, traditionally. We came here various different ways, whether we were um, descended of slaves or we were folks you know, from the Caribbean, um, and then they moved here, still descended of slaves, but still made an in, independent choice to move here. Um, African descent folks that came later in like the 70s and 80s, um, different waves of, of black Americans, of black Muslims in the United States. I would say by and large, <clears throat> the dividing is like the people who came here for economic means or to make money, basically, to get theirs. Um, I think that that's where there's like a sort of a tension. Because they're not trying to like really, they're just trying to get theirs. They're not trying to like make the system run better, or make people have better lives per se. They're trying to make sure that their family does well. And you know what? They might bounce at a certain point because they have a home to go back to. Tusa,
2: you have any questions?
1: Sure, well, I just want to say, I saw someone in the chat much, much earlier on mention that religion and politics shouldn't go together. But I think you and I are, are joined in not imagining, or well, imagining a kind of different category for environmentalism. I think you and I both see it as something everyone has a stake in and your book is just outlining why you feel islam or muslims have a stake in it um well, how do you imagine environmentalism oh, oh I, th- I think we've got some technical difficulties deep state
3: i'm here deep I'm state here. Deep here. i deep just fruit. okay I, um i um Uh, to me, it's. I think of things in terms of water, waste, energy, and food. I think of things in terms of like simple, um, persistent human problems. So, if you took a, mm-hmm. a, an ancient human and brought them into the present, they would have to go to the bathroom. They would have to drink some water. They'd want a place to sleep. They need some clothes. They might. They might be cold. They might be warm. They might. You know, like they. There's. They'd have some needs. These are problems that we've had for the beginning of time and will continue to, to have for a long time.
1: Mm-hmm.
3: And I call them persistent human problems. So really solving these problems at scale is what I, is what I think about. You know, at the population scale, that's how you get population level mm-hmm. decisions, right? So instead of everyone individually drilling a water well in a place like Queens or in a place like Richmond, Virginia, you can't have everyone drilling a water well, Because then you're going to deplete the water table beneath you. No, you find a place outside of the city. You find a place that you can make sure that everyone can have water. That everyone can equally share in that benefit. Because we're all trying to solve the same problems. So to me, it's looking at each of these problems in in that same way. So it's not just like, oh, I want to be able to get whatever I want to eat whenever I want to eat it. No, it's like, what are we making in our bioregion? That is, um, that is fresh, that is relevant, that is now, that is from a local farmer. That, and how do we support those farmers so that we stop creating these weird economies of people going all over the globe and supply chains that are completely impossible? Everyone should be within a regional supply chain that provides all of our needs, and we could do that. And I think that that's the framework that we need to go to. Instead of the nation state, instead of... Um, you know, city states, or instead of like, I'm a, you know, Fulani, or I'm a, you know, Igbo, or I'm a, um, you know, German, and they, these are the lines of the people that speak my language. Those things are silly, I think. All these lines are silly, based on all these silly ideas. It's not actually solving human problems. So that's that's my opinion about like the a, a future state or a, or sort of a, a, a sort of a north star to get to.
1: Do you feel like we've answered the question tonight? What does Islam have to teach us about environmentalism? <laughs> in one hour? <laughs> <laughs> I think we've given, we've given a taste of it. should definitely check it's, out it's the book.
3: A, you know, like any person who's a um, religious person or <coughs> studied or been in any tradition, you know, knowledge of this type is like a, a, an ocean And what we've given is like a drop of that ocean. So you should dive in and discover for yourself what makes sense for you. Some folks on here are not religious at all. Um, I'll give you my reason why I am. And I'll just give that context that I believe Islam gives a framework for making difficult decisions. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. how do you like at different juncture points in your life? When I was early in college, I started studying other faiths and said with that framework. How do you make difficult, how do you, what's the best system for making difficult decisions? And you, as a person, find those systems for yourself. The beautiful way that we interact as, as governments and societies is that we respect each other's differences, but we all know that we need to provide resources for everyone. When we get to the scarcity mindset, when we want to hoard things, that's the big problem. And the problem that we have is this entire country that we, were, that we live in, United States of America, was based off of angry white men doing whatever they wanted, however they wanted, whenever they wanted. And we keep trying to compete with them for this idea of freedom. We'll never win that argument. We will never win against them on that. So part of the faith aspect of to it (coughs) is it anchors you into like a, a, a value system so that you don't go off on that tangent of, I can do whatever I want. No, the boundaries are there. The boundaries are Everyone has to benefit and you have to not destroy the planet in the process. So what does that look like?
2: That's a go ahead. I was about to say, alhamdulillah, I really appreciate you coming on. Uh, Sheikh Ibrahim and really laying out the Islamic position on not only environmentalism, but a few other very, very complicated issues and positions. And uh, we've been, I've been actually telling the staff here that I've been wanting to, get uh, a Sheikh or an imam to come on the show to ask the question, what is the revolutionary capacity of Islam in the Western mm. world? But uh, mm. I have an imam, my, my personal teacher was Imam Rafiq Maki. I don't know if you're familiar mm. with him. But uh, if you want to come on and address that question, if you know a Sheikh or an Islamic scholar who you think will be good that we could get on, we definitely... Uh...
3: I, have a, I have someone I would be intriguing to think about. Um, this guy, Shadi al-Masri. <clears throat> in New Jersey um he he may not vibe with all of your audience he's a very um knowledgeable and very um he's he's he would I'm I'm curious what he would say I do think that um revolution has to happen in this context you're not going to you know like you you know I started this conversation talking about land and and how we organize land and if you the the the, the way the, the way things are trending no one's going to have any land, right? You know, and we're ripping away soil that's, you know, arable soil that's usable. So, <clears throat> I think you know you need to have something dramatic may need to happen.
2: Well,
1: we are headed in the direction of something dramatic happening. That is, <laughs> that is for I, sure.
3: That is true. Will you
1: be joining us in the champagne room? (laughs) Oh, I'm sorry. It's the non-alcoholic champagne room. It's the bathhouse. It's the
0: bathhouse tonight. tonight. Will you be joining us in the bathhouse?
3: I think I'm not going to join you in the bathhouse.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much uh, for spending some time with us. Um, We really appreciate this. Tucson, do you have any uh, parting words before we uh, we wrap up
1: this uh, conversation? Thirteen years in the making, I'm so glad running my blog so fresh and serene when I came across your your book, and I've been intrigued ever since. So glad we were able to make this happen. Shout out to your wife, Comrade Mateen, she's great, and um, Um, I feel like we answered the question. Yeah, I'll just.
3: Yeah, I'll say one thing real quick. Um her, uh, her name is Fatima Ashraf. Okay? She is she is uh um like it's really hard for her to be in this capitalist context because she is not of this system. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And she gets the faults. And so I think what she's doing is really raising our children as as am I with this sort of like razor sharp perspective. You know, like you're looking at things. You know, we don't celebrate ho- Halloween for two reasons: because it's capitalist and consu- consumerist, and because it's not our religion. You just don't right? want the right? kids like, to have
0: candy. Just, just, admit you
3: just you, know, <laughs>
0: you, and, you and Mrs. Grinch don't want them kids to have candy.
3: You know what that is? You know what that is? Because uh-huh. candy was the first cocaine. <laughs> candy um, was the first cocaine. Well, my,
0: my son thinks he's Pablo
3: Escobar during a uh, Halloween. Yeah, exactly. he's sitting there with a whole bunch of candy. The world is mine i think that was the second third really clever use of, of cocaine in a conversation about religion and the environment and i've never done that so kudos to you guys for facilitating i'm, such I'm, I'm looking silliness.
0: at my i'm looking at my four-year-old son right now as he's eating a pizza roll talking about uh the chocolate hearts that he got for valentine's day so you you might be on to
3: something uh with your candy No, they, they're locked in that's that's what it's about. That was the whole that was the whole hustle. Oh, we're going to get this sugar. Oh, we got this sugar. We got this plantation. I got 300 Negroes. We got this. We got this. That's what my son thought, says mm-hmm. to his friend in the sandbox. We're going to get this sugar. <laughs> this sugar. And then <laughs> then they spoon feed it. So I'm like, no, nah, we ain't having none of that. So there's but that's the that's the dynamic, you know, like you we're, we're all in partnership with people. So you, the people you should partner up with should be people that you're willing to, you know, ride with if this thing goes about you know to a revolution basically that's the vibe well thank that's you so
0: brother very much brother ibrahim and we right, are
2: you. out, out.